Today, I want to talk to you and my sermon. The, the topic that I have in my mind is the joy of sharing Christ. The joy of sharing Christ. Let's read Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace God and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. And when I'm diving and taking our church's attention through the sermon series here, I want to be, uh, 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 you know, do justice to the scriptures where we know the context, we know what's happening, what's the author's intended meaning back then, and how it is applicable in our life in 21st century. And I want to do the proper exegesis to the scriptures where, you know, it's easier for us to understand and as we dive through, because life is going to bring troubles into our life. A Christian walk is never going to be filled with happiness all the time. But still, in the midst of our pain and struggle, we can have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength, like Nehemiah would say out loud and clear. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, we see here that Paul is right now in chains, and Paul is in the prison, and he is addressing, writing this letter to the church in Philippi, uh, which he planted 10 years ago. So after 10 years, Paul is addressing and writing this letter to the church in Philippi and letting them know, hey, you know what, brothers and sisters in the Lord, I long to see you. I long to see you. Have you ever been in long distance relationship where, you know, uh, you've been separated for many years and, 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 and then, you know, I mean, a lot of us, you know, as immigrants, you know, like we, we file for our spouses and uh, it might take a year or two years, uh, you know, for them to receive the paperwork. But in between, as you are in the talking season, getting to know the person or after marriage, you know, your marriage, you're getting to understand everything that is happening and, uh, you know, you're trying to write letters to know, hey, I long to see your face once again. I long to be with you once again. So Paul is in a long distance relationship with the church that he planted. He wants to know his church. He wants to communicate and commune, uh, have fellowship with the brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters that he planted this church almost 10 years ago. But as he writes this letter, he is letting them know, hey, you know what? It's not that I'm not going through enough trouble in my life, but in my pain, in my struggle, I long to see you. In my pain and whatever I am dealing with, I long to have this fellowship with you. And that's the background of this story that we see in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You know, we believe that everything that happens in our life, God has a plan for it. Is that true? God knows it all. And he controls, he orchestrates everything. So in life's given situations, as Paul is exhorting the church, reminding the church, you know what, brothers, I want you to know, whatever has happened to me has happened so that he can serve the purpose of God. You know, the most important thing of our life is, it's not just what we get to accomplish, it's what God gets to accomplish through our life. Are you with me, church? It's what God gets to accomplish through my life. 
my failures, the shut doors, whatever I've been through, what God is getting to do through my life so that my life becomes a life of His purpose and I'm obedient to His call. Hallelujah. In today's journey, we all want to do, we want to chase our own purpose, our own agendas and ambitions, which is great. But always we need to pause to look back and say, ask the Lord, Lord, what is this? What is that you want to accomplish through my life? Through my painful experiences, through the struggles that I've been through, through the sickness, through the negative medical report, through whatever trials that I am going through. God, I have been excommunicated from the family, whatever I am going through. But what is your purpose in my life? What is that you want to do in my life? Christians are called to be servers in God's kingdom. Listen to this. Christians are called to serve in God's kingdom. Our purpose in life is to serve His purpose. Our call in life is to serve the purpose of heaven, to serve the purpose of God in through the conducts of our life, day-to-day life. That is how we live gospel and our life becomes the good news to other people. Praise the Lord. Sometimes, more than words being used to preach the gospel, it is the very life that God has allowed us to live, which becomes the good news to people all around us. And I pray that we pause to ask this question, Lord, what is that you want me to do in this time and age that I can serve your purpose? We can get busy with a lot of things and pause to ask, Lord, what is that one thing you want me to do that I can serve your purpose in this time and age. Paul, though he was in chains, he was in the prison, oppressed and persecuted. He's going through the deepest struggle of his life. And as he is going through, bends down this beautiful letter to the church in Philippi, encouraging them, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me? What has happened? You know, the, the background of the scripture, let me just bring you the context as we study. So the whole portion is, 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 is uh, hinged out of Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. That's the background of these scriptures. Acts chapter 21. When you read Acts chapter 21, verse 30 onwards, you see, I'm going to read it for you. Then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. Now when you read through chapter 21, you see the background of the scriptures that has been mentioned here by Paul. What is Paul trying to say? And what is the context here? Paul is... Uh, uh, in other words, you know, the, in the temple of the Jewish people, Paul brought in the Greeks to worship. And because Paul had an open mind that the house of God belongs not to just the Jewish people, but to everybody, Paul brought in people who were new converts. He brought in people who, were, who didn't look like the Jewish people. He brought in people to the church who were actually excommunicated by many of the Jewish community, looked down by the Jewish community. So he brought in all these people to the church 
And now they schemed and planned to kill Paul because he did something against their tradition. He, because he went against the normal practices of the Jewish mindset that this house belongs to only Jewish people. And Paul went out and brought in all the Greeks to worship God. The entire Jewish community turned up against Paul. That's the story in the background that you see. He was beaten up because Paul had a message for the Greeks and the Jews and the Romans so that the whole world can hear and to know that he and he alone is the king of the universe. And because Paul wanted to advance the gospel, not just for the Jewish community, but for everybody, the others did not like the idea. The others hated the idea that the house of God must belong to people who actually does not look like you, sing like you, worship like you, behave like you. And Paul wanted to go and bring in those people to the house of God so that together they can worship. The others did not like it. Even today, we have the same mindset people in around us who does not like to worship with everybody, who does not like to see everybody being saved. We just want to be within our cliques and our fellowship and our, 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 our comfort zones. We don't want to extend that, that, that the saving grace of our Savior into somebody else's life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I am thankful that as a church and a community that we are here to welcome people from all walks of life because that's what the scriptures makes us understand. Philippians chapter 12, 1 verse 12 and 14, through 14. It helps us to understand that now Paul, brothers, he is in chain. He, he, he has been persecuted. But, but even as he has been persecuted, the only thing he thinks in his life is that I want to advance the gospel. No matter what I am going through, but I want to be an instrument of God's gospel in my space and place and influence. I wonder how many people in this room would say, God, I'm going through a painful situation, but I pray that I want to advance your gospel. God, I'm bankrupt right now, but I pray that you will use my bankruptcy to make sure that I serve your purpose. Whatever failure that you and me, we are in our life, we must ask the Lord, Lord, what is that one thing that I can serve your purpose in my time and age? Paul is in chains behind bars. Nobody to be with him. All the Roman soldiers around him. But there's one thing that he exhorts the church in Philippi. Brothers, I want you to know this happened so that I can serve the purpose of God and, and advance the gospel. Let me ask my church, what is that one thing we are doing to advance the gospel? Within our families, within our fellowships, what is that thing that God is prompting us in this time and age, in this season, in the walk of our life, that we are advancing the gospel? And I pray that this comes as a question mark into our life. We question ourselves to make a, a decision. Number one, the first thing, the first three points I want to share today. The first point that I want to share with our church is God will bring triumph through our trial. God will bring triumph through our trial. Sometimes the triumphs that we see in our life is based upon our past experiences or the triumphs that we have seen in somebody else's life. And so we kind of understand that this is the only way God can work 
in my life as well, in my life as well. Because I have seen him work and giving a victory in somebody else's life. And that's the only way God can operate to bring a victory in my life too. And that's something that we can't continuously think through. And we kind of box God into our own past experiences. Our own knowledge. But God will bring triumph through our trial. Whatever we face right now. We need to know that in all of our trials, only God can bring a triumph and He knows what He is doing. And whatever He does, He does the best for our children. In the midst of what we are facing and going through now, I want to, you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. God knows to bring triumph in our trialing situations. So as you pause to look into our circumstances right now, this morning, as we gather our thoughts together to see what is happening with my life, also understand He knows what He is doing. God knows what He is doing. Sometimes in our prayers, I, I, I love hearing some of the prayers, and it's good that I hear all these our church coming together pray. Sometimes in our prayers, we are teaching God what to do. <laughs> We're teaching God what to do and what not to do. He does not study in your school of experiences. His institution is very different. His way of work is very different. Brothers and sisters, that's why I want to point out today from the life of Paul that God will bring triumph through our trial. Whatever you're facing, your mess will be a message so that people will come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ so that the gospel will advance into places and spaces that you never thought of. So that the Romans and the Jews and the Greeks and the Arabs and people from all walks and walks of life, from all spaces, will worship Him because He belongs to everybody, not just one community. Hallelujah. God will bring triumph through our trials. Acts chapter 28 verse 16 says, And when we came into Rome... Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. Acts chapter 28 verse 20 says, For this reason I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. In through the different spaces of Paul being a prisoner, the kind of people Paul came, people came into Paul's life, including the, in Acts chapter 28, including the jailer, the gods, who were surrounding him. They all came to know the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of Paul being in the prison. Praise the Lord. The way we serve God's purpose is to know that even in the prison, he is my king. Even in the mighty clay, He is the Lord. Even when I am put in the pit, His vision will never collapse. I will continue to serve God in my generation. And He is the only one who can turn your pit into palace. He will turn your trials into triumph. Because we know that in all things, God works good for those who love Him. So my failures will not take me away from God's presence. My closed doors will not take me away from God's presence. 
when people backstab me, when people walk out of our life and relationship, it does not mean that God has left me. People come, people go, but He remains the same, brothers and sisters. In the midst of your trials of life, He is bringing out a new story of victory that you can advance the gospel in this time and age. Hallelujah. You know what? When guards were all around Paul, he could say that there are too many people. I feel claustrophobic here. <laughs> too many people. I can't even function. I can't move. I can't even think. I can't do stuff. But the guards who are around Paul, all around, one of them were chained to Paul that he won't escape. But guess what happened? Because somebody walked into the countenance of Paul, his life was changed. The prisoners, the guards, their life was changed because Paul was put in the dungeon. God's kingdom had to change the life of prisoners and God brought Paul into the prison. We don't know how God works. All we got to do is, Lord, I surrender my life. No matter where you take me, I am here to serve your purpose in my generation. And I pray that a bunch of young people, young married couples and families in this church and anybody and everybody who's under my voice, who is listening to this message, we make this prayer today. God, use my life that I serve your purpose in my day and age, in my generation, through the union of my family, through the coming together of my children. God, I pray that we will stand together to serve your purpose. Point number two. Point number two that I want to bring to you is people will see and meet Christ through our crisis. People will meet and see Christ through our crisis. It, it doesn't make sense to us. In fact, as humans, we don't want to invite anybody when we are going through crisis. We don't want to invite anybody into our personal life when we are actually bound in chains. We don't want to invite anybody into our personal life when we are in the most messiest possible places. We just want to do life by ourselves. But here's the something that we understand from the life of Paul and the study through the book of Philippians. That in the midst of our crisis, in the midst of our pain, only a matured Christian, listen to this very carefully, only a matured Christian would say, it's okay that I am going through this. I know my Redeemer lives. Only a matured Christian, you know, in the walk of life, in the ministry life, I've seen countless people come to the Lord. Many people who have come to the Lord. Some have come for healings. Some have come for a prophetic word. Some have come for a blessing. Some have come for some sort of a breakthrough in their life. And God gives it to them. I don't control it. God gives it to people. When we pray and seek the Lord, He blesses the people. People have come with demonic spirits being healed. People have come from all backgrounds of life and their life has changed. But I know they don't stay longer. They receive the blessing and they walk out when the next problem comes in their life. Are you with me, church? When the next issue comes in their life, they start questioning God. But only a matured Christian will have the strength rooted in the foundation of where he or she is to declare, in my trial, 
God is exalted because my Redeemer lives. Wherever I am situated right now, whatever painful experiences I am going through, whatever I am facing, my Redeemer still continues to live. He does not live according to the opinion and the calculations of man. He has not, never will ever fail me again. My Redeemer lives. I might, I might be in a mighty clay. I might be in a pit right now, but my Redeemer lives. And our life, in fact, a matured Christian's life becomes a life of testimony for many others who are actually testing the waters, who are actually trying out this new faith that they are in Christian faith. You know what? So and so, brother and family, you know, I love, I shared this story with my church, I think, um, uh, a couple of years ago, I think, uh, when I went to do a mission trip uh, in my home church and I was ministering in my home church, I saw this. I went and prayed uh, for this uh, mom, Amachi. Uh, uh, I was there in her house and while I was praying, she is fourth stage cancer. While she is there, I was there on the, on the bed. Can I tell you the joy that I saw on her face? I have not seen in many Christians' faces. The joy that I saw on her face. The doctors have given her maybe four or five days to live. She's declining in our health. She's declining in all possible ways. But the joy that I saw in her face, I can't believe the way she was responding, the way she was smiling, the way she greeted, the way she was exhorting, the way she was strengthening my faith as a pastor while I was there in that room. I've not seen many Christians' lives. Only a matured Christian who knows and understands that in all these things, God works good for those who love Him. He doesn't deceive us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. It could be life's emptiness, betrayals, backstabbing people, sickness, negative reports that may come into our life, it does not change who God is. As a matured Christian, we must grow deeper onto the foundation, the rock himself, Jesus himself. He does not change. Point number two that I want to mention to our church was people will see and meet Christ through our crisis. When you are going through some crisis, you must testify. Sometimes we testify only when we have seen the victories in our life. But a bold Christian will have the audacity to stand in a congregation, in between hundreds and thousands of people to declare, you know what? I am going through this, but my hope is in Christ Jesus. I am facing this trial right now. But my hope is in my Redeemer who lives. And that's why Paul explains here, brothers and sisters, I want you to know the trials that I'm facing right now, because of my trials, you know, the jailer has seen Christ. The prisoners have seen Christ. Anybody who walks into my life, anybody who walks into my house, anybody who comes into my space, they will see and notice Jesus Christ. Third point that I want to share with my church. Third point. Our ex example 
will encourage others to witness. The greatest commandment of Jesus Christ um, in Matthew chapter 28 is go and make disciples. Go into the world and make disciples. The way we do that is buying a witness of Christ Jesus. Who is a witness? Who is a witness? Anybody who has seen, experienced, becomes a witness. You cannot be a witness if you have not seen or experienced it. Are you with me, church? In the court, when you walk up to the justice, you know, they will ask you, where, when, how did you experience? Where did you notice this? And if you say that, hey, you know what? I think so. This is what happened. That does not allow you to stand there to be a witness. It's not what you think so. It is what you have seen with your own naked eyes. Whatever you think so doesn't matter in the courtroom. What you have seen and experienced, that's what matters when the judge asks you the question. In the world, God has asked us to be the witness of Christ Jesus. What have you seen, brothers? What have you seen, family here? What have you experienced in our personal life? How many of you have experienced the love of God in your life? The healing of God in your life? The mercy of God? The grace of God? The provision of God. You know, I've been doing house visiting. I've been visiting some of our families and sitting down to talk to them and hearing God has been leading some of our families. And I'll tell you, all of our families in a beautiful way. I love to sit down and hear those beautiful stories. The Lord put in my heart before December 31st. I'm visiting along with my family. I'm visiting all our families and spending some time in prayer. All our homes across. Our church has grown. Our families have been added. But I'm visiting all of them. This season, and as I sit down with our church families, I'm hearing God, what God has done in their life and how God is leading them. Our example will encourage others to witness. Brothers and sisters, we are called to be God's witnesses. As you walk out of the space, know that there is somebody that is watching you and you are becoming a witness of Christ Jesus. You like it or not, but when somebody is watching you, you are becoming a witness of God's goodness through your life. I pray that this scripture comes to challenge us today. I pray the scripture comes to encourage us today. That our example will encourage others to be His witnesses. To be His witnesses. Listen, when we were children... And now that I have children, we've been taught and we teach others that sharing is caring. We teach that, hey, you got to share. And especially if you have two kids in the house, you know, you share, you teach them. You teach the older one, hey, you know what? You got to help out the younger one. In my house, you know, there's always this fight. This is mine. This is mine. I'm sure in every, every home in this room, even between husbands and wives, sometimes we hear that, right? This is mine. <laughs> we try to teach our kids. And sometimes we forget it when we actually grow older. Sharing is caring. The joy of sharing. You know, somebody said this, happiness is multiplied only when you share it with others. You can't be happy just by yourself. Happiness is multiplied when you share that with all and everybody around you. 
Am I having some weaknesses in this house? I'm happy just with my husband and wife. No, when you invite somebody over to your house, when you break bread together, a certain level of joy is found when you actually share that table with others in the room. Sharing is caring and happiness is multiplied when you actually share it with others. Pastor, I'm not happy at all in my life. Share it. I'm trying to find joy. Share it. Everybody loves to receive something. But the joy of giving, when you share, your happiness is multiplied. See, love only grows by sharing. You can only have more for yourself by giving it to the others. That is the way of Christ and that is the way of Christians. Christ and Christians. Who is a Christian? Not because my name is Joseph or Justin or Matthew or whatever. I'm a Christian because Christ lives in me. And I've become a model of that reason because Christ emptied out himself for the sake of humanity. He emptied out himself, chose himself to be on the cross so that he can give out to people. And the way, the only way you can have more is by giving it to the others. For God so loved the world that he gave. He provided. Our example will encourage others to be witnesses. Christians, we call ourselves Christians. Not because our parents named us Christian. <laughs> because, because Christ lives inside of me. Christ lives inside of me. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, another classic scripture of Paul addressing to the Roman church here. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, which is the good news of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, yes, of course, for the Jewish people, but for everybody who is not also part of the Jewish community. To the Jew first and to the Greeks and to the ends of the world will say and declare that he is Lord. And I am not ashamed of the gospel. I declare we must become the witnesses. Our example will encourage others to follow Christ. Brothers and sisters, the duty of our Christian life is to be more like Jesus. Christ-likeness in my life is the way of Christianity. That becomes the foundation of who He is and what I become in Him. Our example will encourage others to be his witnesses. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I pray in this room that we don't become any ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't become ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be whatever platform. Never be ashamed. Never be ashamed. Never be ashamed to let everybody know that Christ lives in you. Never be ashamed to let the world around you know Christ lives inside of you. Let me ask this question to my church. There are so many people that God has placed all around us. 
When was the last time somebody really reached out to you and asked for prayer when they were going through something difficult? We lead others to follow Christ by becoming His witness. I know my message is a little heavy to chew it today, but this is where our Christian foundation lies. And I pray that people will lead others to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That our life will become an example and will encourage others to be the witnesses of God Almighty. Listen to this very carefully. Our testimony is contagious. Our testimony is contagious. One testimony can lead to many other testimonies. One testimony, one story of your life is a spark in somebody else's. And that can actually break open doors of miracles in many others that you have never thought so. Our testimony is contagious. So wherever God places us, always remember this. I am living a life of God's goodness and that has become a message into the life of people who God has placed around me. Luke chapter 8, verse 39. Luke chapter 8, verse 39. Return to your home. There's a miracle that happens here and Jesus declared, return to your home and declare how much the Lord has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus has done for him. God provided, miraculously healed and God said, Jesus said to this guy here, you know what, the way I have healed you, I want others to know what I have done in your life. You go out into the city and proclaim the goodness of God in their life. Your testimony is contagious. What God has done in your life should be revealed to the world that they will follow Christ because God can do in their life too. Our trials will reveal who God is in our life. Some people complain about the storms that come in our life. Some storms come only to reveal the foundation that we are planted on. When the dust and the air and the, and the, and the leaves and the, and the rocks are moved away, it just reveals the rock on which we have been founded on. Some storms come to reveal the foundation that we are on. And I pray that a Christian, we don't become a namesake Christian. We become a Christian because Christ lives inside me. Can I have the worship team behind me? Christ lives inside, inside me. Luke chapter 8 verse 39. Go and tell everybody what Jesus has done in your life. But God has done in our life. I pray brothers and sisters. I challenge our, our families within our church or whoever is under my voice right now. You know, the ways of God's scripture to be established is the ways that His children become the witnesses of His grace. Being a witness of His miracles, being a witness of His breakthrough, being a witness of what Christ has done in our life. In our schools, among our peers, I pray that we will take the gospel of Jesus into spaces and places that will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9 is the last scripture, I promise. You are, some of you are highlighting or taking it down. Um, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Jeremiah chapter 20, 
20, chapter 20, verse 9. It says, but if I say, I will not mention his word or speak of it or, or, or speak anymore in his name. His word is in my heart is like a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. The word of God is like fire shut up in my bones. I can't keep quiet. I cannot keep quiet because the grace and the mercy of God that I have experienced in my life is like fire shut up in my bones. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I pray the newness of His grace that we are experiencing this season in our life. Brothers and sisters, it's like fire shut up in our bones. Paul, in the midst of his completely emptied out life, no support from anybody, but still trying to encourage the church in Philippi, letting them know, brothers, I want you to know, I want you to understand this happened so that the gospel may advance. This betrayal, this setback, this imprisonment, this backstabbing, this death, this happened that the gospel may advance. Brothers and sisters, I mentioned our church last week, a story from my own personal life, not some, from somebody else's life. There's one time many years ago when we were preaching, when we were ministering at this place, we were ridiculed and persecuted and I was beaten up by this mob and a lot of our instruments, expensive instruments were broken. Our windows of our cars and vans were broken and vandalized. It was painful. We were humiliated. It was very painful. I'm happy my dad didn't come. We asked him not to because they would have killed him. They were angry and furious. They beated me up and my team and our worship team. But with joy, we left the space. As I was leaving that town, my cousin, who just came to Bangalore from Kerala, was with me um, in my bike. He doesn't understand anything of this new faith. He was very new to this Christian faith. Along with him, I said, I was probably in my 11th grade, 10th or 11th grade, and I knelt down just outside of that town, and I said, God, for your name's sake, we've been humiliated and persecuted. I pray that we will have a church right here. God honored my prayer. God honored my prayer. I stand here as a personal testimony. That city in Bangalore, that town, that village in Bangalore, we were able to establish our church campus. Within a year of what was happened to us, brothers and sisters, this happened so that the work of God will expand. This happened that others in Christ will find strength and they will be encouraged. Brothers and sisters in this room, don't be disappointed with what is going on right now. Turn your disappointments into a divine appointment because God is about to change that 
for His glory. Because your life is a life worth of the gospel being expanded into spaces and places. People all around you need Jesus. Let me repeat that. People all around you, your friends need Jesus, your co-workers need Jesus, your family need Jesus. And the only way they can experience the grace of God is by we becoming a Christian. Christ in me is a Christian, not just a namesake Christian, but Christ lives inside me. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. And we rise up in God's house. Let's commit ourselves. Let's surrender ourselves. I know usually the altar calls are for people who want to rededicate and accept the law. But wherever you are, I open up the altar call. Wherever you are, we surrender our life. Lord, help me that I live a life not because I was born a Christian, but because you live inside of me. I want to live not because I'm a namesake Christian, but because you live inside of me. Brothers and sisters, it's the greatest joy of our life if we can all make that commitment right now. Everybody under my voice, no, no distractions here. We'll pass the offering buckets a little later, but no distractions in this room. Just close your eyes, look to the Lord, make a commitment. Lord, help me that through the trials of my life, that I will be able to live out the gospel. Through the trials of my life, I will be able to, I will be able to live out for what you have called me for. Just make that commitment in this room. Everybody under the sound of my voice, just take the next 30 seconds, the next 30 seconds to exhort, to declare, to mention, to talk loud into the surrounding or wherever God has placed you. God, use me. Use me for your glory. Use my life because I believe there is joy in sharing Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I pray over our church over our ministries, over our leadership, over our families, and everybody who tuned in to watch us online today, I pray our life becomes a life of your glory, that we testify your